Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon lecture series here on the, on this podcast set. I'm glad that you're back. Today's discussion in the Book of Mormon is going to be on chapter 17, and I hope you get a lot out of this. All right, chapter 17 is a very interesting one as well, um, as they all are, aren't they? Chapter 17 is where Nephi is commanded to build a ship. Now, as I mentioned before, when they left Jerusalem, they had no idea that they were going to be going very far. They thought maybe they would just go out into the desert or into the wilderness. Here they've traveled down into the southern part of Saudi Arabia, and uh, they didn't really anticipate that they were going to go any further than that. Let's go to verse 1. And it came to pass that we did again take our journey in the wilderness, and we did travel nearly eastward. Joseph Smith said they turned east at about the 19th parallel from that time forth, and we did travel and wade through much affliction in the wilderness, and our women did bear children in the wilderness. Nephi had children too. And so great were the blessings of the Lord upon us that while we did give, while we did live upon raw meat, and I, I would expect that this is probably dried meat. They may not have cooked it, but I wonder if they would have had dried meat though because of the sun and they would have uh, had maybe beef jerky or whatever they would have had. Not beef maybe, but some kind of jerky. <clears throat> In the wilderness, our women did give plenty of suck for their children and were strong, yea, even like unto the men, and they began to bear their journeyings without murmurings. Now, this is from uh, Paul Chessman. He said, on the probable trail which Lehi traveled, there are today 118 waterholes spaced on the average 18 miles apart. It was the custom of experienced travelers in Arabia that they never built a fire as it could attract the attention of prowling raiding party. As a result, they ate much of their, raw, of their food raw, as recorded in the Book of Mormon. Attacking and plundering camps still seems to be the chief object of some Arab tribes. Verse 3, And thus we see that the commandments of God must be fulfilled. And if it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he doth nourish them and strengthen them and provide means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. Wherefore, he did provide means for us while we did sojourn in the wilderness. Okay, verse 4, and we did sojourn for the space of many years, yea, even eight years in the wilderness. Now, you wonder, why would it take them so long to travel that distance? Uh, remember that they have a small family, they have small children, infants even, and as they're traveling, they're probably not traveling in areas that are totally vacant of people, and so it's possible that as they're traveling through certain areas and there are tribes and families that are along the way, that maybe they have to pay their way to go through some of these places and maybe they would have had to have stopped to work, stopped to uh, grow some crops, um, those kinds of things along the way which would cause them maybe to stay in a certain place for a while, uh, build up their resources again and then go on. Um, and that because of other people in the area, they're not, like I said, they're not alone here, that maybe they had to pay for staying in certain places or, or even passage to travel in certain areas. Don't know that for sure, but just wondering if that may be the case. Verse 5, And we did come to the land which we called Bountiful, because of its much fruit and also wild honey, and all these things were prepared of the Lord, that we might not perish. 
and we beheld the sea, which we called Iriantum, and this is the Arabian Sea, which being interpreted is many waters. This is from Hugh Nibley. After traveling a vast distance in a south-southeasterly direction, the party struck off almost due eastward through the most desert of all, through the worst desert of all, where they did wade through much affliction to emerge in a state of almost complete exhaustion into a totally unexpected paradise by the sea. There is such a paradise in the Kara Mountains on the southern coast of Arabia, of the Kara Mountains which lie in that limited sector of the coast of South Arabia, which Lehi must have reached if he turned east at the 19th parallel. Bertram Thomas, one of the few Europeans who has ever seen them, writes, What a glorious place, mountains 3,000 feet high, basking above a tropical ocean, their seaward slopes, velvety with waving jungle, their roofs fragrant with rolling yellow meadows, beyond which the mountains slope northward to a red sandstone steep. Great was my delight when in 1928 I suddenly came upon it all from out of the arid wastes of the southern borderlands. Compare this with Nephi's picture, it is virtually the same scene. The mountains, the rich woodlands, with timber for ships, the rolling yellow meadow, a paradise for bees, the view of the sea beyond and above all the joyful relief at the sudden emergence from the red sandstone steep, one of the worst deserts on earth. As Nephi describes that, law, that land, it must have contained water, fruit, large trees for a ship, grass, wild honeybees, flowers or blossoms, a mountain, a shoreline, a cliff overlooking the depths of the sea, and metal ore. Incredible as it seems, the south coast of the Arabian Peninsula, from Param to Sur, was only one, has only one place in its entire length of 1,400 miles that meets that description. It is a tiny sickle of land curved around a little bay about 28 miles long and only seven miles wide. Backed by the Kara Mountains, for three months of the year, the monsoon clouds gather on the slopes fronting the sea and cover them with summer fog, mist, and rain. This place is Salala, in the state of Dofar, the Sultanate of Oman. The coast in both directions stretches away in, a, in unbroken barrenness. We repeat, this is the only place on the whole Arabian Peninsula seashore which receives significant rainfall and where large trees grow. It is, and it is known to have been this way for well over 2,000 years. Currently, the weather in Salala has average temperatures between 64 and 90 degrees. Average rainfall is about four inches per year, and the current population is about 170,000. Verse 6, And it came to pass that we did pitch our tents by the seashore, and notwithstanding we had suffered many afflictions and much difficulty, yea, even so much that we cannot write them all, we were exceedingly rejoiced when we came to the seashore, and we called the place Bountiful because of its much fruit. On the coast of Salala, we believed that we found the end of Lehi's trail from Jerusalem to Bountiful. We discovered no contradictions in the volumes on geography and history contradicted the ancient prophet. This was from In Search of Lehi's Trail. Verse 7, And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been in the land of Bountiful for the space of many days, the voice of the Lord came unto me. It looks like there has been a transition of prophets from Lehi to Nephi. Is it because Nephi did not murmur during the broken bow incident? Saying, Arise and get thee into the mountain, nature's temples. And it came to pass that I arose and went up into the mountain and cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou shalt construct a ship after the manner which I shall show thee, that I may carry thy people across these waters. And I said, Lord, whither shall I go that I may find ore to molten, that I may make tools to construct the ship after the manner which thou hast shown unto me? Nephi didn't say, I can't do that, but rather, where do I go to get the ore to make it? 
And it came to pass that the Lord told me whither I should go to find ore that I might make tools. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did make a bellows wherewith to blow the fire of the skins of beasts. And after I had made a bellows that I might have wherewith to blow the fire, I did smite two stones together that I might make fire. And the Lord had not hitherto suffered that we should make much fire to avoid the danger of being attacked as we journeyed in the wilderness. For he said, I will make thy foods become sweet that ye cook it not. And I will also be your light in the wilderness and I will prepare the way before you if it so be that ye shall keep my commandments. Wherefore, inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall be led towards the promised land and ye shall know that it is by me that ye are led. The thought just occurred to me. I wonder where he's talking about here that, that I'll be your light in the wilderness. Did the Leahona have light in it? I don't know. I hadn't thought of that before. Verse 14, yea, and the Lord also said, after ye have arrived in the promised land, ye shall know that I am the Lord, thy, I the Lord am God, and that I the Lord will, did deliver you from destruction. Is he, is he telling him here that there might be some problems on the way to the promised land? Yea, that I did bring you out of the land of Jerusalem. Wherefore, I, Nephi, did strive to keep the commandments of the Lord, and I did exhort my brethren to faithfulness and diligence. And it came to pass that I did make tools of the ore, which I did molten out of the rock. And when my brethren saw that I was about to build a ship, they began to murmur against me, saying, Our brother is a fool, for he thinketh that he can build a ship, yea, and he also thinketh that he can cross these great waters. I think that the brothers were probably pretty happy to be in this uh, nice fertile oasis type place here that was beautiful and had lots to grow and and uh, fruit already there that uh, they were pretty content with staying there i'm sure 18 and thus my brethren did complain against me and were desirous that they might not labor for they did not believe that i could build a ship neither would they believe that i was instructed of the lord in this spot here there, as it's mentioned there's a little bay uh, and it's also a place where you could actually build a ship on dry land and then uh, put it into the water there almost like a dry dock type of thing and that's a natural way that this there's a in this bay um, in this place called Salala 19 and now it came to pass that I Nephi was exceedingly sorrowful because of the hardness of their hearts and now when they saw that I began to be sorrowful they were glad in their hearts insomuch that they did rejoice over me saying we knew that you could not construct a ship for we knew that you were lacking in judgment wherefore thou canst not accomplish so great a work uh, is anything impossible to the Lord? And thou art like unto our father, led away by the foolish imaginations of his heart. Yea, he hath led us out of the land of Jerusalem, and we have wandered in the wilderness for these many years. And our women have toiled, being big with child. And they have borne children in the wilderness and suffered all things, save it were death. And it would have been better that they had died before they came out of Jerusalem than to have suffered these afflictions. Another incorrect statement. Behold, these many years we have suffered in the wilderness, which time we might have enjoyed our possessions in the land of our inheritance. Yea, we might have been happy. Another incorrect statement. And we know that the people who were in the land of Jerusalem were a righteous people, for they kept the statutes and judgments of the Lord and all his commandments according to the law of Moses. Wherefore, we know that they are a righteous people, and our Father hath judged them and hath led us away because he would hearken we would hearken unto his words, yea, and our brother is like unto him. Another incorrect statement. And after this manner of language did my brethren murmur and complain against us. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, spake unto them, saying, Do ye believe that our fathers, who were the children of Israel, would have been led away out of the, land, out of the hands of the Egyptians, if they had not hearkened unto the words of the Lord? One prophet is testifying of another. A law of witnesses. Nephi uses the story of the Israelites because it is so often spoken and remembered by their people. So Nephi then is going to give an account here of some of the history of the of the of the Israelites as they uh, 
were in bondage and how they left uh, out of bondage. Uh, then down in verse 34, do you suppose that our fathers would have been more choice than they if they had been righteous? I say unto you, nay, behold, the Lord esteemeth all flesh in one. He that is righteous, there is a very simple definition of righteousness in the Book of Mormon, as in the book of Ezekiel. He was righteous because he was repentant. And a person who is not repenting is a person who is not righteous. That's from uh, Hugh Nibley. He that is righteous is favored of God. God has made the sun to shine on the evil and the good and the rains to fall on the just and the unjust. Yet all are not equally favored with God. Through Samuel, he declared, them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. To those of his day, the Savior said, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Further illustrating the conditional nature of heaven's love, the Savior said, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. But behold, this people have, had rejected every word of God, and they were ripe in iniquity, and the fullness of the wrath of God was upon them. And the Lord did curse the land against them, and bless it unto our fathers, yea, he did curse it against them unto their destruction, and he did bless it unto our fathers unto their obtaining power over it. Verse 36, Behold, the Lord hath created the earth, that it should be inhabited, and he hath created his children, that they should possess it. And he raiseth up a righteous nation, and destroyeth the nations of the wicked. And he leadeth away the righteous into precious lands, and the wicked he destroyeth, and curseth the land unto them for their sakes. He ruleth high in the heavens, for it is his throne, and this earth is his footstool. And he loveth those who will have him to be their God. Behold, he loved our fathers, and he covenanted with them, even Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and he remembered the covenants which he had made. Wherefore, he did bring them out of the land of Egypt. We can either live like Christ or suffer like Christ. Verse 41, and he did, and he did straighten them in the wilderness with his rod, for they hardened their hearts, even as ye have. And the Lord straightened them because of their iniquity. He sent fiery flying serpents. A fiery flying serpent is a poisonous snake. Fiery refers to being poisonous, and flying probably refers to their striking motion in an attempt to bite. Among them, and after they were bitten, he prepared a way that they might be healed, and the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the simpleness of the way, or the easiness of it, they were, they, there were many who perished. Down to verse 45. Ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. Ye have seen an angel, and he spake unto you. Yea, ye have heard his voice from time to time. And he hath spoken unto you in a still small voice, but ye were past feeling that ye could not feel his words. This is from uh, Joseph Smith. He says, I have come to know that inspiration comes more as a feeling than as a sound. I'm sorry, that was Elder Packer that said that. Uh, he then counseled, ponder and pray quietly and persistently. The answer may not come as a lightning bolt. It may come as a little inspiration here and a little there, line upon line, precept upon precept. Some answers will come from reading the scriptures, some, will, some from hearing speakers. And occasionally, when it is important, some will come to be... Some will come by very direct and powerful inspiration. The promptings will be clear and unmistakable. He recalled what the prophet Joseph said. A person may profit by noticing the first intimation of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel pure intelligence flowing into you, it may give you sudden strokes of ideas. And thus, by learning the spirit of God and understanding it, you may grow into the principle of revelation until you become perfect in Christ Jesus. Continuing the verse, wherefore he... Wherefore, he has spoken unto you like unto the voice of thunder, which did cause the earth to shake as if it were to divide asunder. 
And ye, know, and ye also know that by the power of his almighty word, he can cause the earth that it shall pass away. Yea, and ye also, and ye know that by his word, he can cause the rough places to be made smooth and smooth places shall be broken up. Oh, then why is it that ye can be so hard in your hearts? Behold, my soul is rent with anguish because of you and my heart is pained. I fear lest ye shall be cast off forever. Behold, I am full of the spirit of God insomuch that my frame has no strength. And now it came to pass that when I had spoken these words, they were angry with me and were desirous to throw me into the depths of the sea. Again, the location in which the rat had to have a cliff in which they could be, they could throw someone off of, and this one does. And as they came forth to lay their hands upon me, I spake unto them, saying, In the name of the Almighty God, I command you that ye touch me not. For I am filled with the power of God, even unto the consuming of my flesh. And whoso shall lay his hands upon me shall wither even as a dried reed, and he shall be as not before the power of God, for God shall smite him. It appears that Nephi was transfigured before his brothers as he made his great defense of the faith and sealed his testimony as a, as a witness against them. His experience bears a kinship to that of Abinadi before the wicked priests of King Noah, Christ in his ministry, and Stephen before the Sanhedrin. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto them that they should murmur no more against their father, neither should they withhold their labor from me, for God had commanded me that I should build a ship. And I said unto them, If God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me that I should say unto this water, Be thou earth, it should be earth. And if I should say it, it would be done. And now, if the Lord had said, had such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should build a ship? And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said many things unto my brethren, insomuch that they were confounded and could not contend against me. Neither durst they lay their hands upon me, nor touch me with their fingers, even for the space of many days. Now they durst not do this, lest they should wither before me, so powerful was the Spirit of God, and thus it had wrought upon them. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto me, Stretch forth thine hand again unto thy brethren, and they shall not wither before thee, but I will shock them, saith the Lord, and this will I do, that they may know that I am the Lord their God. And it came to pass that I stretched forth my hand unto my brethren, and they did, they did not wither before me, but the Lord did shake them, even according to the word which he had spoken. And now they said, We know of a surety that the Lord is with thee, for we know that it is the power of the Lord that has shaken us. And they fell down before me and were about to worship me. Here Laman and Lemuel received a powerful, tangible witness that the power of the Lord was with Nephi. Their immediate reaction was to fall down and worship Nephi. In doing so, they demonstrated a common mistake of men, namely, they wanted to worship the man with the power rather than God, the source of the power. Sometimes saints become deeply attached to missionaries or church leaders who are instruments in bringing spiritual power into their lives without realizing that it is not the man, but the source of the power he demonstrates, namely God, that should be worshiped. Like other prophets faced with this tendency to personal adoration, Nephi teaches where the true worship should be centered. But I would not suffer them, saying, I am thy brother, yea, even thy younger brother. Wherefore, worship the Lord thy God, and honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee. In talking about the uh, <clears throat> influence of the Holy Ghost upon us, Elder Packer told a story years ago about a man named John Burroughs, a naturalist, <clears throat> who one Sunday, summer evening was walking through a crowded park. Above the sounds of city life, he heard the song of a bird. He stopped and listened. Those with him had not heard it. He looked around. No one else had noticed it. It bothered him that everyone should miss something so beautiful. 
He took a coin from his pocket and flipped it into the air. It struck the pavement with a ring so, no louder than the song of the bird. Everyone turned. They could hear that. It is difficult to separate from all the sounds of city traffic the song of a bird, but you can hear it. You can hear it plainly if you train yourself to listen for it. One of our sons has always been interested in radio. When he was a little fellow, his Christmas present was a very elementary radio construction set. As he grew, and as we could afford it, and as he could earn it, he received more sophisticated equipment. There have been many times over the years, some very recently, when I have sat with him as he talked with someone in a distant part of the world. I could hear static and interference and catch a word or two, or sometimes several voices at once. Yet he can understand, for he has trained himself to tune out the interference. It is difficult to separate from the confusion of life that quiet voice of inspiration. Unless you attune yourself, you will miss it. Answers to prayers come in a quiet way. The scriptures describe that voice of inspiration as a still, small voice. If prayers come in a, if, if you really try, you can learn to respond to that voice. The voice, that voice of inspiration is so quiet and so still that it can easily be explained away. It is easy to be disobedient to that voice. It often takes very great courage to follow it. It is a clear signal to Latter-day Saints. And that was Elder Boyd K. Packer in the talk given in Stockholm, Sweden in 1974. I pray that as we are sensitive to the spirit, that we will follow the promptings that we receive and that we'll recognize the voice when we hear it, that still small voice that is there for us. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you like this podcast, again, you can share and share and whatever else you do, I forget. Bye.